This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio by Luke Fitzgerald, as always. And I'm also happy to have Owen O'Malley, former Lancer star, in with us this week. Thanks so much for coming in, Owen. Yeah, well, thanks a lot for having me, yeah. Yeah, no worries. You can tell by your voice, you're a little bit hoarse. I think you said you were you were out it's last just, night. It's just, the, all, it's just <laughs> off a flight. It's just off a flight. <laughs> I guess. One of the, one of the benefits of retirement the aircon it, it was is, the aircon well it, it wasn't yeah, it was the yeah. air it wasn't circling um, <laughs> no, it is it's definitely a little bit more relaxed in that way yeah um, not my usual Monday night but uh, uh, I, I can attest to that as well like <laughs> uh, as some of the tweets from the weekend when I was commentating uh, yeah know, we were talking about the software someone, so someone, Luke, someone for, for context Luke was working on the Sky coverage uh, you know pitch side <laughs> with Easton to see when just give us a flavour of the social media reaction yeah, it was just, you know, obviously there was some positive stuff, Will, as there usually is, because um, I do such a good job. Uh, and then there was a few kind of unusual ones, actually. My girlfriend and some of my friends were kind enough to point out. It was someone actually thought that someone had ate me. So who ate Luke Fitzgerald? <laughs> there was one who thought I was pregnant, but uh, I'm not, uh, just to clarify. Uh, so, yeah, I've enjoyed uh, post-rugby, just as Owen obviously has as well the last couple of nights. But, um, yeah, it's... it's uh, it's been fun. It's yeah. Fun year, so for you, Owen, it's it's been four years now since you had to had to retire. Uh, like, is rugby now firmly in the rearview mirror for you? Is it still something you ever really think about? How how do you go about it? Yeah, I still uh, I still love it, you know, and I still um I still yeah I still absolutely love it. I just haven't really based my whole life around it, you know. So I love watching the games, love supporting the lads, but uh, again, you know, I used to plan my whole day, my whole weekend, watch this match, watch that match. Obviously training, but uh, from that point of view. Bit more relaxed about it, yeah. So, um, is it the case that you kind of cared about the sport in terms of the the games because you were involved in a team, or is it something that you liked anyway? Like, do you still enjoy the sport? I know I still enjoy the sport. Yeah. yeah, I always loved it, like as a kid or whatever. But I would have liked to, obviously, just with the injury and everything else, playing on at club level or whatever is not a not an option. But um, kind of did try and stay a little bit involved for a couple of years, and then probably needed a break from it for a year or two just to clear the head, and now kind of getting back into it where enjoy watching it that bit more again and uh, I suppose kind of go, go to a game a bit more excited about it. It's funny, isn't it? Like, I, I, like, I, I find as well, like, the, like, you know, I've obviously kept in touch a little bit closer. You went straight back in in terms of like analysing games. Yeah. Was there not part of you that maybe wanted to have a bit yeah, of breathing space? There was a bit of that, but to be honest with you, I didn't actually, like I haven't, I, I didn't, I don't train any teams. I've never been doing any of that kind of stuff. Mm. I, I actually didn't see much of the lads uh, from the team purposely when I finished because I wanted to distance myself I wanted to make sure that I kind of was able to plug into some kind of circle outside of rugby um, and that was a conscious decision sometimes it's not conscious for, you, you talk to some people it's just not they just end up drifting away whatever they're doing with their job or family or if they move away whatever it is look at like a yeah, Damien Brown kind of or someone who's when, you know, lads, it's a kind of a unique mm. lifestyle that the lads are living when they're training and playing matches like that you know they're not really they're very disciplined they're very to their own routine and there's no flexibility in that so naturally you're going to lose a little bit of touch with mm. it and then it's kind of uh, probably for me personally I was happy enough to do it just to clear the head for a while but then now it's you know I'd obviously be, make more of an effort and keep in touch with the lads better than maybe I would have for that initial period Is it hard to structure your weeks initially like what you do what you how you fill the days almost? Yeah a tiny bit like I suppose for my injury I think I was trying to rehab it for nearly two years or certainly 18 months by the time I actually retired so a fair idea it was coming, you know, at that stage you're kind of, 
you're uh, you're a bit relieved nearly by the time it's done, and you're like the horse in the in the yard, nearly waiting to be put down. So, <laughs> um, so no, for me, I kind of knew it was coming, and um, it was probably a bit easier that way, and it was a little little bit of relief because you just it just dragged, you know, for me at the end. I guess you both in similar circumstances. I guess finished before. Maybe people had hoped you would finish. Maybe play a bit longer. What's the sensation like when you you see the tributes and people are like, "Oh, you know, he could have done so much more," or "Oh, what a great player! It's a pity he has to retire now." Is it a strange sensation? It's almost like you've died. Yeah, it, it, you know what? It actually makes it a lot tougher. To be honest with you, um, for me, it did anyway. Um, I probably was never great anyway at listening to people giving me credit. Um, you know, it's obviously it's obviously a nice thing, but I don't know. I, it's still like it made it a little bit tougher. I because I, I always felt like I should like because I've spent about five years out of ten uh, being a professional, pretty much injured, maybe even slightly more. So, you know, I was I always felt really unfulfilled about where I should have got, and I'm sure Owen feels mm -hmm. the exact same. You know, so it's to hear all these things. I was saying like, yeah, like I kind of about about ten or eleven hours, I just didn't move from my couch at home. I was literally I I end up trying to watch TV, but I just you couldn't help but watch the stuff come in, you know. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you were you were the same, uh, Chubsy. Um, but uh, <laughs> how long before that? Chubsy or Tubsy is fine for the rest of this. Um, but um, actually, it probably works better for me now, to be honest. <laughs> I didn't want to say. I was biting my tongue. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like it's it's kind of it was a weird one. It made it a little bit tougher, to be honest. It wasn't like I would love to have just exited and just. Because as I said, because I said to family, I was like, and to the guys in, in, in Leinster at the time, I said, look, I'm just going to finish. Uh, and they're like, well, you have to say something. And I was like, well, like, do I really need to? Like, I just, I'd rather just go and just that's that's it. Like, walk out one day and then go into my my next kind of whatever I'm doing next. Uh, not that I had anything planned, but uh, bar, bar a lot of golf uh, for, for the, for the, uh, when I, for the kind of start of it anyway, when I, when I finished up. So like, it was difficult. It was difficult to watch it come in. I don't know why for me, but I don't know. Was it the same for you, Chubber? Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, it's kind of like, you know, when an artist dies, their painting suddenly are worth a whole lot more, you know? It's, <laughs> it's kind of people telling me how great I was. Really? Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't mind it. Like I suppose people, it's completely meant with the best wishes, you know. And uh, people are trying. There's a lot of lot of goodwill. People trying to help you out and kind of I don't know, see if you're okay, even from the mental side of things, and then what you're gonna do next, you know. So I kind of I don't know what I thought of it really, but I suppose it was definitely a nice touch. Yeah, I remember I read a, some of your comments from when you did retire, and you kind of talked about how I guess as opposed to you who had won maybe a couple of Heineken Cups starting, you know, Lions, Grand Slam, etc. You kind of said. Having maybe not tasted, you know, the ultimate honors. I know you won a Heineken Cup as a squad yeah. player, but maybe you felt slightly more unfulfilled. Yeah, like I suppose I don't know whether it makes it easier or harder that didn't play for the Lions, didn't play for Ireland, or those kind of things. Because it's, I suppose, it's a bigger, bigger uh, fall from there. But it's an interesting. We had this conversation yeah. with with Ferg. I always felt like that, uh, like, and, and obviously all of us. Actually, it's funny. Ferg was in last week, and we all felt like we were centres. Like, yeah, 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 <laughs> but we yeah, came yeah. during this period where it was Doris and Drico so like it was kind of like I, I imagine I was able to go on the wing and just because Dennis retired that that was perfect timing for yeah. me but there's loads of guys who were kind of in, in that bracket where just really difficult you know yeah. in a different time like we might all have had yeah, to, you know it's interesting know. It's like, I was meant to ask you about it after last week I said once I got you on yeah, I, was like, yeah. I must ask you like, how you, like it, is, it was so difficult coming in during that period wasn't yeah, it yeah it was a strange time to, but like it was great as well because mm. you know you're coming into the best possible time like yeah. you know and obviously the Heineken Cups and the Rabo Leagues and whatever mm. else so you know that's a pretty exceptional time so for me yeah. again like obviously I would have loved to have played for Ireland and gone on to do those things but uh, you just don't know. Maybe it wouldn't have happened. Like it's well, well, I don't want to rub salt in the wound, but I guess when you did pick up the injury, you were kind of finally breaking into the team or, or on a regular basis. You were putting yeah. in your best run of form. I think that's probably why everyone was so, you know, sent those nice messages when you did retire because it yeah. felt like you were on the cusp. Yeah, like if, I suppose it felt like that a little bit as well for me. But um, I was twenty three at the time, you know, and uh, probably only really played. I played fifty odd times, but probably only you know, a lot of big games in one season, really, you know, so it, I definitely have a, I definitely have a, a big feeling of unfulfillment about it, but at the same time, the biggest thing I didn't want to do was come away from rugby, kind of feeling like, you know, a bit of a chip on my shoulder and whatever, like, I was very lucky, you know, in lots of parts of my rugby career, and I wouldn't change it for a second, so, you know, it's not ideal how it finished out, but I certainly was delighted, you know, overall. Certainly builds inner resilience. 
No yeah. doubt about that. And I think what, like what, what does? well, like uh, I think when you have a bit of a tough and and things don't go your way, like th- like it's funny, you know. I always think you only look at kids nowadays, and, and there's like a medal for everyone, and like all this goes to be like this, I know this is coming into a really big conversation. I'm, I'm drawing this out, but I look at that as like it's like bad things, like they they happen to you in life. They happen all the time. And how you kind of react and how you're able to bounce back from those things is what's kind of, it's such a key component. And I think like the, what I feel about it, finishing, like obviously I didn't get to really prepare or anything like that for, for when I finished. It was kind of a sudden thing mm. um, as opposed to you probably had a bit more of a drawn out process. But, um, you know, I always feel like it, it kind of like rugby is going to be a small part of your life. And I've kind of, this has only kind of dawned on me now recently. I've, I've probably paid lip service to it before this but I feel like all those things and all those times will really help me for what is I'm hoping um, you know the, the bigger portion of my life that's left that this kind of resilience that you build in from these kind of knocks that you take all the time um, will help you going forward that, it's an interesting to bring that up right now because there was a, a book recently released about like various sportsmen who have retired as a guy interviewed a lot of different guys and Damien Duff said something like it's kind of sad to think that I'll never be as you know, fulfilled ever again than I was when I was playing. Like, do you guys look at life like that? Like, I'll never be as happy or as fulfilled as I was when I was scoring tries for Lancer or running out in big Champions Cup games. Yeah, like, I think, do you know what? Unfortunately, part of me does feel like that to an extent. It's just because how do you replace playing in front of 50,000 people and, and the buzz that goes with that, you know, in everyday Don't life. Those pubs, man, they're full of 50,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. Not quite uh, if you're not going to plug in my way, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> we can get back, we can get that towards the end. Uh, it's, uh, it, it, it isn't the same, you know, for me at the moment. Um, now, look, I think the, the ultimate thing for me finishing rugby is you have to keep it in perspective. Like, you know, it's rugby and I absolutely loved it. But I loved another couple of years at it, but it's just not meant to be. And, you know, you step back from it, there's people dealing with an awful lot worse than not being able to play a game of rugby, you know. So that was kind of ultimately the thing that you kind of have to kick yourself and you're feeling sorry for yourself for getting a bit sulky. That's ultimately you have to, a bit of sense of reality about it as well. Yeah. yeah, I think so. That's such a good point. Like, I think, and like as well, like, you know, and part of the challenge when you finish a thing, and it's why a lot of people find it very difficult, I think, is trying to find the next thing that really gives you a bit of a buzz, yeah. you know. And I think, like, look, maybe... Podcasts. It, Podcasts, yeah, whatever it may be, uh, you know, um, whatever you need to do or whatever you need to do, like it, it can take a while to find something that gives you a bit of it. But I think for me, uh, you have to try and appreciate different things with with different roles and different jobs or whatever you're doing. And and there's loads of different ways of making of finding things that make you happy and, and give you a bit of a pause. And I think it, it can take a lot of time. And I always ask, like a lot of the guys who finished ask me, uh, and I didn't necessarily, co- I think maybe outwardly I might look like I coped with it a bit better than I did, um, inwardly anyway. But what I always said was like, look, I, I'm not expecting to find the thing that's going to give me a real buzz straight away. Um, but, you know, I am expecting to find something and um, I just got to look for it. So, like, I think that's an important mindset to have as well when you finish. Like, you're not going to, like, exactly as Owen said, like, it's not going to be the same as running out in front of 50,000 people in the Aviva um, or scoring a try in front of the RDS. It's not going to be like that. But there is going to be other things that you're going to find enjoyment out of. And it's about appreciating those things and that there is, they're going to be different to that. I think that's an important realisation yeah. for guys, yeah. you know? Is it hard to kind of move on to the next, I guess, part of your life then? Because obviously as former rugby players, I presume every time you bump into someone maybe you don't know, they want to talk rugby, you know, get your opinions on teams. They probably just presume that you want to talk about rugby too. Like, is it tough to kind of separate that and move on? They don't want to talk to me in the office anymore. There was a big accumulator <laughs> on. They were, they were asking me for my opinion on all the games. I don't think they'll be asking me again. But uh, yeah, yeah, like it, it's a kind of a fun part, isn't it? Yeah, like again, for me, it's pretty very different. Someone like Luke who would have reached those heights, you know. So the average Joe is not gonna have any interest chatting to me about rugby. You know, my friends or whatever, family and stuff obviously would, but it's not the same as being someone who was, you know, recognisable walking down the street kind of thing. You know, so. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say, but everyone's still like, I mean, mostly like everyone who's close with you, it's the same with me. I mean, obviously, you get a bit more in, in, in the office and stuff, but like essentially, everyone still wants to get your. Like, what do you think? I know less and less what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, maybe that's what it's You and me both, if I'm looking at any of the Twitter feeds. Uh, <laughs> but it is, it's actually, it's a nice thing to be able like, I, I think, you know. When you're when you go into different, you know, it might be different in in your workplace, uh, own. But for for me, like it's an, it's a great way to start a conversation. 
you know, well, people feel like they can approach me straight away. And I look at some people who are starting off, uh, you know, in, in work. And it's, it can be a bit more difficult to find a bit of common ground with maybe yeah. someone who's older or so, because everyone likes sports, you know, most people do anyway. So it's straight away people are like, oh, you know, the last game, oh, what did you think of the match? And this is really, they want to tell you what they think anyway. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but at, the, at the same time, it is a great way. It's a nice bit, little bit of common ground to, to start a few good relationships in a workplace for me anyway. Is another annoying aspect of it that people are constantly kind of asking you, like, how are you dealing with it? How are you coping with it? Or do you miss it? It's kind of like if you retire with an injury, it can be kind of, def it can define you a bit as opposed to just retiring for any other reason. Yeah, like, again, even though I'm retired maybe about four years, I actually haven't played in, in probably seven, you know, like it's, uh, or six anyway. So it's, you know, the last game I played was 23, really. So it's an awful long time ago. Oh, sorry, I played a handful of games after that, maybe four, I think it was, trying to get back, but uh, not really for me. I suppose, again, I'm a couple of years on, but maybe it's really hard to remember initially what it was like, but um, at the moment, certainly not, no. Like, I, I, as I said, I'm kind of now getting back into really enjoying going to the Aviva and the RDS and watching the games, and I would, certainly wouldn't be there every week, but I'd, I'd definitely be enjoying watching them again, whereas a couple of years, I probably stood back from it a little bit. And was there a physical kind of... You know, did you need to get back physically as well, or, or once you kind of couldn't play anymore, were you still able to kind of do things fairly freely, or was it was there like a physical kind of um, I don't know rehabilitation needed too at the end, very end? Oh, sorry. Well, obviously I was physically rehabbing the whole time, yeah. so um, I kind of always knew. Uh, you know, it was a pretty strange injury. It was just a complicated knee injury, but I kind of knew that you know if this doesn't work out, at least it's it's building up your knee really. You know, try to push the replacement off for a few years. So. Um, but yeah, so I'd still tap away at it and stuff like that. But mm. and like for yourself as well, like when you retire, were you able to kind of do everything you wanted to do, or even now, like you had a neck injury, are you kind of restricted in what you can do in any way? Yeah, no, I am. Yeah, like I still get it. I might have a bad day um, here and there, um, and you still get a kind of you know I have to be I have to be very careful, uh, especially like the job I'm doing at the moment. I've kind of three or four screens in front of me, so like. For, for your neck it's not necessarily a great thing if you're stuck like I always try and keep it like it's kind of a hard thing but in a neutral position like regardless of what I'm doing um, and yeah like you get a bit of pain uh, you know fairly like most days um, and it can be very tight very uncomfortable and look it's part of it I've kind of learned to live with it I've, I've actually got a good management kind of routine in place for what actually helps it a lot but if I don't do that if I get lazy or if I drop off on that I will like I'll be uncomfortable. Like so, I have to watch it. It's something I have to live with for the rest of my life, you know. And hopefully, I won't have to get, um, you know, a kind of surgery. And I think it's you, you kind of learn to manage it. Like it's not. It's it's far better than it was. Um, I had a different injury in twenty twelve. Um, in my neck in a, in a slightly different area and um, that was really sore but this wasn't on that level I just lost a lot of feeling and, and, I, and I, I get a little bit of pain here and there Will, but it's not um, it's not unbearable put it that way Just to go back to your own career on for a second we had Fergus McFadden as Luke said last week and I asked him about <laughs> his particular game which I think has a lot of significance for you in your career as well it was an away match against Claremont in 2010 I think there was a couple of injuries and you and him both started in the back line in Claremont, probably the toughest fixture in European rugby. It was probably, I think, maybe your first European appearance, I'm going to say. Yeah, it would be, yeah. That's yeah. the first one, was it? Yeah. And, yeah. like, it went, it went very well in my memory for you anyway. Like, what do you remember yeah. about that whole experience and, and how big it was for you at the time? Yeah, do you know what? Like, I suppose I was just kind of wrapped up in, in, in trying to, I suppose, focus on the game that week. I wasn't really probably aware of the magnitude and it was probably, actually, it might have been 20, 21, something like that. So... I probably didn't really even realise what a kind of place Claremont was to go and play an away European game, you know. So it was only really when I got there looking around, you hear the noise, you, you see the fans, you kind of try to block it out. And then after the game, you know, when you see the significance even, obviously it was a huge significance in our group at the time, but like you see the way it was written about and the kind of context people held, you know, a losing bonus point in. It was kind of going, geez, that was, you know. Uh, and sure, I was watching on the TV. It was yeah. unbelievable. It was Because there was a few, because it, it was Fergie, like, well, Fergie was kind of a, he probably was there a few years, because he's a year older than, than yeah, me, and yeah. I'm a year older than you. So he was there a bit It was before. his first Champions Cup start, though, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he had kind of been there, there, but yeah, no, he anyway, had, yeah, he'd appear um, off the bench. Whereas I think we'd had a few injuries, and then Owen got his shot, and Dominic Ryan as well. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah got his really shot well. as well. And everyone, all the lads played. I vividly remember well. thinking, I think Lancer could get a hiding today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No offense. You proved me wrong. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, was, it was, well, we obviously all knew that, like how good the lads were, but it was like, still, to go down there, and like you said, they, I think that was during that run where they went, did they go on like 60 or something? Something yeah, crazy, like over like, three or four yeah. years, it just yeah. couldn't be beaten down there. Mm. And uh, like, was we should have, we should have probably nicked that one. It was yeah. really, really close to the end, but there was a few guys who really made their name in it. And it's funny, I always say that to all the guys, like everyone's asking me where kind of the young lads come up. I say, yeah, look, they look really good. But I said, I really, where I really want to see them, like Glasgow for me away this year was brilliant. I was yeah, like, that yeah, was yeah, now, yeah. That, that's where I'm looking at guys going, mm. who are the young guys who are going to step up here? And that that was exactly, that Claremont game for me was like exactly that for a lot of guys. It was like, can you do it away from home where it's really tough and you're literally left on your own? Because away from home, I don't know what it is. There's times when you're on a pitch, maybe it's because I was Especially in France, I think. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. the atmosphere there is unbelievable. But you can really feel it on your own, and when you're on your own in a place in a big place like that, you you get it a bit in the millennium as well. You just can't hear anyone else. Yeah, That's yeah. when you realise, oh, that guy's a good rugby player because yeah. he was able to go right. You know, I can't really talk to anyone that's too loud, but I'm still making good decisions. I'm still getting stuck in when I feel because when you feel cohesive when you're at home, the crowd is all behind you. It's easy for whatever. I think it's easier for guys to row in and be really physical and get tough and back themselves and make good decisions. But away from home, for me. Always, and that's where you really see how good a guy is. Uh, do, you, do you think any? Do you kind of subscribe to any of that? Yeah, I would. Like I suppose, I think in France particularly, I feel like I remember the Montpellier game as well over there. There was another one where uh, I can't remember the scoreline. Was that we, the sixteen all one? Yes, it was actually. That's yeah, exactly yeah, was. that was a great that game. Was a savage game. Crowley scored a belt in the corner. I think to tie the game. Dude, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, yeah, got the uh, celebration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as he said, he was waving to his mum in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there's definitely a couple of stadiums like that where you really feel that extra but that's yeah. class like you know mm. if you were playing as a Claremont player from that every week it would be unbelievable ah, you know? savage yeah yeah and like for that game I know it's, it's a while ago now like you, you'd stepped in for Brian Risker like did Brian or, or Joe Schmidt was there like what, how did they kind of prepare you for the experience or, or did they kind of try to treat it as another game um, I don't know how Joe does it like because obviously at the time I would have played a lot of uh, Magnus League or whatever it was at the time and um he just he started to develop that kind of nearly it was a handful of guys like myself and Fur were kind of interchanging Reds or Embossy mm. I think maybe guys like Dippy probably would have been another one playing some home some away games in that season I ain't good but whatever way Joe, Joe does it and you see it again we're going to get Fiji like these lads just slot in and I I don't know what it is <laughs> you know, I can't put my foot in it or my finger on it but he he just has lads so well prepared without actually making a big individual fuss about a young guy who's coming in and you know, I suppose a bit of pressure comes with that when it's kind of that much emphasis on you. Whereas, so you felt like you were ready, uh, or subconsciously, like, and well, but like he literally prepares you to the up the like he yeah. is. You're literally, and I actually think it kind of helps because he's so focused on the details, like the small stuff that you're, and you have so much to remember. It really helps you because you're like you're not really thinking about the occasion. You're just like oh, I have to do yeah, yeah, this yeah. and it, this is and like it's you know you've got so much to remember in kind of every situation that and he has you so well primed from from training. Like that's his biggest strength for me yeah. is that like the habits he builds in every day, the training, all that kind of stuff. Like it's easy for guys to slot in. I think as well what I, what I would say is there there were good players coming into the team. Um, and they were coming into he's quite good like on the weekend is a bit of a one where look there was 13 guys coming in it was always going to be a bit of a mess regardless of how good the coach is like if they got a bit of a lead they might have stretched it but I, I never think that was going to happen it was just too many changes but he was really good at changing in guys regularly so like you yeah, didn't yeah, come yeah, in yeah, like yeah. like Owen, Owen myself all these guys we all got chances to come in with the, with the guys in the first team so there was only two or three of us in and yeah, out yeah, but yeah. he changed it regularly and that was how he managed the squad really well. But that was that's a that, that's actually a really important point because you get to play with Sean O'Brien, you get to play with a Keane Healy, and as a back especially, you're getting go forward as a ten slotting in as Ian Madigan or whoever is slotting in. All the forwards like there's only maybe you know he might swap in Jordy Murphy who's coming up, but then there's Jamie Heaslip and Sean O'Brien the other side, and all of a sudden all the forwards are in good positions. There's guys getting go forward. You get an opportunity to play with people when they're in better positions. Like everyone's kind of used to each other, but. That's a key point. Only two or three guys. He was really mm. good at that. I think that helped guys bet in. Yeah, as just well. just on that, like players like yourself. I know you mentioned Dominic Ryan, maybe Fergus McFadden to a lesser extent. There was a lot of good young players there. Who obviously it's tough to break into the team when you have Brian Driscoll, Sean O'Brien, these mm. characters. What was the morale like amongst you guys and some of the other players of a similar age who were really top players and probably any other team in Europe will be starting? But you have to kind of be managed in a certain way because there's only so many opportunities. Is there still a good 
morale amongst those players. Yeah, I think morale was brilliant. Yeah, mm. like it was. He had it so competitive in that squad that, like, you know, whatever way he rotated it, um, he, he just did an unbelievable job. And lads actually felt like, you know, probably delusionally, but felt like they had a real chance at starting the big Huntington Cup game, you know, because he did put a lot of pressure on the on the senior guys and it wasn't this kind of wrapped in cotton wool and it wasn't, you know, if they didn't train on the Tuesday, Wednesday, they weren't getting picked like mm. other teams, you know. So lads had, you know, it wasn't complete pressure, but they definitely had enough to feel like they had to perform. And, and I suppose when you're... When you're that young guy in that position, you're probably a bit naive and thinking, you know, I'm going to get paid. You have to believe in yourself as well. That's the whole thing. It's interesting you say that. I don't know if either you, I presume you haven't read Brian Driscoll's book. Uh, No. So when when you told me... (laughs) That's grand. Sorry, Owen, have you read it? it, 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 (laughs) uh, When you you told me that Owen was coming on, the one thing I did remember was I got... I had a copy of it at home. I flicked back, you know, looked up the pages you were mentioning because I vividly remembered... The way he wrote it, the pressure that he felt you were putting on him, like mm. he sounded, he sounded like he was on the really on the back foot, or he felt he was in the back foot, and you were picked ahead of him. And I think a lot of people obviously say, "Oh, Gatlin was the first coach to drop," uh, you know, O'Driscoll. But he he says in his book, "The first time I ever wasn't picked for a team that I expected to be picked on in my professional career was when you were picked ahead of him in a training game before they played Munster. I think before the Cardiff Blues quarter final in 2012. Yeah. Oh, like yeah, so, you yeah, were actually yeah, really in a battle with him then. Like yeah. uh, people mightn't realize it. Like how do you remember that time when you were kind of going up against him? Yeah, well, I kind of got my my break when Brian got injured. He, he had his neck issue that season, so that gave me a good run at it. And I suppose the time I was battling with Ferg quite a lot, um, and then I kind of Ferg ended up playing a lot of games in the wing. So mm. uh, with different injuries out there, I think Thanks maybe. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> I, look, not that I was getting picked every week by any means, but I was I was kind of getting getting a nod for a lot of them. And then Brian came back. You know, it's in that it was in that time period where he probably didn't have a huge amount of games to get fit for the big kind of hiding cup game that was coming up. So uh, I think he probably got he definitely got one game, and then I was getting the other. Like again, Joe yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't want to make it too easy for lads, so you know he he had to make it fair. So so look, I'm going to give Brian his eighty minutes, but I'm going to give Owen his eighty minutes, and then. He was going to make the decision. It's funny. Did you realise how maybe rattled he was about you and or your? I think that was probably like again. It's very complimentary to say, but I think it was probably a bit of timing in that that he was, uh, you know, Brian talked quite a lot after he finished about that time in his career, nearly thinking he wasn't going to get back to the levels he did, and obviously he did get back to those levels. But you know, again, when you're probably an older player and you're feeling a bit of pressure and you haven't played in six months, you know, it probably all adds up. You know, I don't think it was a direct me thing you know so um but no ah, but i think it was that, that was that it was it, we're probably doing yourself a disservice there you were you were going <coughs> like not 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 in a, I, I i agree with you as well in terms of where he was sitting at the time in his career but mm. it was a really that was a really close call like that was a really close call you know and, I, and you have to like i would say joe was feeling the heat you know i would say yeah. at the time i know from the from the player group at the time it was like geez yeah that's like who like doesn't really matter who's going to be in there. Mm-hmm. That was the feeling from the player players group. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So like that was a really, it was a big one for him. You know, yeah. and it, and it went his way. And uh, it's funny how small things like that. You know, it is just funny how it works out. You know, and he and it's funny. You know, like for such a great player, like it is funny. Everyone still has doubts. You know. Yeah, uh, and yeah. obviously like what he's great at it's something I always admired about him was that like even when he was under the cosh he still like there was moments in his career where he, he had periods well, I remember there was a period before Wasp remember he got the two tries against Wasp yeah, I think yeah. it was in, in 2009 Yeah, and um, he talks about like not getting a try for like a year or something and then I remember Greenwood's famous line I'd like a bus you know two come along all of a sudden yeah, yeah. but like it's funny when you hear his mindset during those periods such a great player but obviously everyone has them, but he always was able to fight through them. Like he was a really tough guy. I always, I always admire, like admired Rico a lot for that. He's a really tough guy. What's it like for someone like yourself, maybe a younger player, and you're kind of in a direct battle with the greatest Irish rugby player of all time? Like, is that yeah. kind of? Do you feel like you're on a level playing field in terms of the coaching, like who he might pick, or do you feel like realistically, <laughs> I could be tearing up trees, and I'm probably not going to displace yeah. Brian Risco? I kind of always felt, uh, you know, with the with the Declan, Declan Kidney thing. I didn't really feel like I ever had a hope, really, to be honest with you. I kind of felt like he was, there's no disrespect to, to Kidney, but he was a bit more traditional, you know, in his kind of pick. And you wouldn't see a fee, a, an Irish team go out like they did against Fiji with 13 changes and however new, many new caps. But um, again, it was probably only uh, one season that that was even really a, a possibility. But um, I think with Joe, whatever way he managed to get into your head and make you feel like it, 
even if you didn't actually get picked, he did make you feel like you had a chance. And I think it comes back to when you're in that position as a young guy and you're competitive and you're you're training like that, you do kind of, you have to convince yourself that you have a chance. Otherwise, what are you doing there, you know? Whether you're absolutely delusional or not, you know, that's the way it is. And if, you, if you're going in expecting not to get picked and kind of not disappointed when you don't hear your name in the team sheet, it's kind of a waste of time, you know? Get out of there. It's get out just, of there quickly. That's my advice yeah. to those people. You don't belong. You don't belong in a place that's trying to be the best. You just there's no place for you. There isn't. No. I'm sorry. You'll get. You'll just get churned out to the side. And and it, it starts feeding. If you start believing that, it starts feeding into your training. And someone like him, like Joe Schmidt, is just looking at everything in training. And I think that's yeah. a good thing. He like if you're doing good thing, things in training, like he's on you. He's like you mm. know what I mean. He's he, like he obviously he, he'll tell you you're doing good. He likes that. But if the other guy, if you have a slip up and you can have a slip up, you have mm. a bad day training. He was great at making you feel like Jesus, like. I'm in, I'm in the shit here. Like I yeah. need to, I need to finish training well, or I mightn't get in the team. Like yeah, yeah, brilliant yeah. at that. So yeah, I, I always said it was a real strength of his. Oh, completely. Like you call a move, uh, you call a move in training. You throw the throw bad pass, same pass bad twice. You're gone. Like just mm. just swap out there for a couple of minutes. Take five minutes off. <laughs> oh no, you're sitting there going, oh, that's it. There's a lot of times you're sitting there in the corner on your own, you know. So. Oh. And then the next time you do get put back in, you need to make that pass, you know? So that's kind of, mm. uh, he did have a very good skill and I'm sure he still has it, obviously, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. We were talking about, like, you know, own battling with kind of the, the veteran, like, legendary players. For yourself, you came straight out of school, straight into the team. Obviously, you said you benefited from Dennis uh, retiring. Like, what was that like for you, kind of getting straight into the team at such a young age? I know you were obviously kind of touted to, to be doing that anyway, but it must have been kind of, like, what was your mindset like then? I felt I, I belonged there 100%. I was completely delusional about my abilities at that point, to be honest with you. I, I fell into the category where... I, but I, I still believe you should you should be like that. You should back yourself 100%. And it took me actually... It took me, I didn't get straight in. It took me a year or two to figure out how to get in the team and stay in the team. Um, Like, I felt like I thought I was an absolute superstar coming out of school. And I literally... I remember playing a match over in... I think it was over in the Scarlets. And we got pumped. We got pumped like 40 points. Now, we came back really well in the second half. And I did some like really, really cool, like some some stuff. I was like, geez, that's, I belong with the level. Look at that. And then I just did some absolutely mental stuff. Like what? Uh, oh, I remember I like I stepped two guys and I think it was Gary Brown. But like no one knew what I was doing. None of my teammates knew what I was doing because I didn't really either. I was just like, like I was in school playing, I don't know, whoever. And... Uh, <laughs> And I remember I'd step two guys is like really nice bit of play and Gary Brown who's playing outside me was like you know in a good support position and I tried this like I have in my mind that he's going to be running <laughs> I, I tried this back pass they, which they intercept now he didn't score they didn't score a try from it but they had a really good team at the time and I, I had a few mistakes like that and I remember talking to Emmett um, <laughs> Emmett Byrne uh, after and uh, it, it was, he was just like mate just relax. You need to play the percentages every now and then, do you know what I mean, to survive at the level. And it was just, it was one of those, it was one of those kind of light bulb moments for me and I actually kind of changed a little bit off the back of But then, like you said, kind of lucky, Dennis retired. Like, Dennis was a brilliant player. He was at the height of his powers. He was actually physically in brilliant condition yeah. um, after the 2007 World Cup. So, my journey in was very different. Now, I, I absolutely hated being on the wing. I hated it. I felt I belonged at full back or, or in the centre, uh, either centre position. So um, it was hard for me. I, I, like, I, it was hard for me to get over. It sounds like it's such a silly thing to be commoning about now. But you know, I, I, like as, as great as I thought I was, I was like, how oh, would they put me out in the wing? Uh, but as it turned out, as they, they never brought me back in. <laughs> and, and for yourself, I guess, coming into professional rugby, like, you know, you were looking at kind of Darcy you know, Driscoll, kind of immovable objects yeah. almost in the centre. Were you thinking, like, you know, what, should I be playing for Leinster? Should I be playing somewhere else? Like, what, what, were, you, what were your thoughts? Yeah, like... I've, do you ever have an I, option to go anywhere? Yeah, I do. I never really considered it. Mm. I was... I, I suppose, again, like, when, when I kind of was getting there to that point, whereas trying to uh, put a bit of pressure on. Um, two lads were getting a bit older and I suppose you start saying, look, maybe like they're gonna, maybe their form won't go as well and you know, I'm starting to get better and better. <coughs> so never really consider going anywhere else. But Where could you have played? Sorry, I said again? Where could you have played? Uh, it was actually, uh, it was one of the Irish clubs I wanted to, Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so it was, it was one of three anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was definitely one, sir. <laughs> so, um, but I also, when I first played, it was the first game I ever, uh, it was a preseason friend against Wasps in Donnybrook. I remember Serge Betson was playing. He was my idol as a rugby. Oh, he was rugby. so great. Yeah, he was a brilliant player. Yeah. What a player. And mm. like, I remember just looking at him, but I was horrendous. Like, I was absolutely terrible. I think I was, 
we got a trance that I was responsible for definitely two, maybe three tries. <laughs> and it was like, I honestly looked at it that day going, Jesus, maybe I'm just nowhere near this level. Is your man Tom Varndale? Uh, he's made, me he once. made me look like a mug a few times. Oh, <laughs> and I just remember, going, oh God, this isn't this isn't meant for me, you know. And I was completely <laughs> rattled by it, but you know, um, but no, I was always again like you're always kind of convincing yourself. Look, you know, people tell you enough, yeah, you're good, you seem to be all right at this. So you do convince yourself to uh, that you'll be at that level and you'll take these guys, you know. But when you're training every day as well, I think like like if you're if you like, if you love the lifestyle, if you like, if you love rugby, mm. and you you do have belief in yourself, like obviously you have these moments where you say you have your debt, like everyone has them. But I still feel like the environment we were in was really great in Leinster. It still is, yeah. uh, like where you feel like you're improving every part of your game every day. And there's people there who are like, "Come on, let's go out and do a bit of passing." Like I'm always asking, "Owen, will you do a bit of passing?" After someone who's better than you at something, you're you know the young lads. Yeah. I'm sure they're asking Rob Carney, "Will you do a few high balls?" I mean, whatever it is. <laughs> You know, Ferg McFadden, when you do a bit of tackling with me, whatever it is, there's guys there who are brilliant at everything. So I always was like, God, I feel like this is the yeah. perfect place for me to get better at all those That's things. That's it. Like, there was no other, sorry, and I don't know because I never experienced it, <clears throat> but as a young guy, like, where else are you going to be in a better position? Certainly for me, learning off Doris and Brian, mm. guys like Sexto, you know, like, there's no other clubs in the world that had that, you know. They're the two best centres in the world, mm. bar none, you know, yeah. so... You know, for me, as much as I was like, maybe I'm not going to be starting all the big games, I was 20, 21, 22. It wasn't really even a consideration now. Still probably playing, 20, shot, to be playing probably 20 games a season as yeah. well. So that's, I, I completely I get where you're coming like from, actually. Getting enough anyway, he was to, very young as well. Like, yeah, get yeah. enough to get experience while still learning off the lads. And you're like, oh, they're, you'd think they might fade out at this yeah. stage. Yeah, I, I can, if you're 25, yeah, 26, logical and you know, maybe you go, oh, I need to make a move here. Mm. You know, like this is, the lads aren't going anywhere to three, four, five years, whatever it was. Then you're in a different position, but at that age for me, it was... Because it's interesting, because you look at, there was obviously, a, it's a bit of a storm at the moment. You were obviously been away, you mightn't have seen it, but I think Eddie O'Sullivan and Donald Lennon were talking about Joey Carberry mm. and him being in Leinster and obviously behind Johnny. And obviously for Ireland, like they want, like I think they see him, you know, obviously with, with you know, Paddy's issues and, you know, Ian Madigan yeah, being yeah. away and that. They're like, geez, you know, we're kind of actually, and, and he, obviously Ian Keating now, was, by the way, who's obviously a pal of, of yours and mine. Mm. Um, it was great to see him get a kick. You know, having had a tough yeah, couple yeah, of years, yeah, it was yeah, super absolutely. to see him get the pressure kick. But aside from that, everyone's talking about Joey being the number two guy now and not playing all the time. And everyone's talking about him moving, you know, moving clubs. He needs to move club now. And it's interesting because, mm. like, he's probably I would see Joey being in a similar similar enough situation where obviously he's getting the rugby at fullback, but he probably needs to play a bit of ten. But he's probably saying, "Oh, well, you know, Johnny's probably not going to. I'm probably going to get fifteen games of ten anyway." Or yeah, yeah. You know, it's a difficult situation to be yeah. in, like, and it's hard to know. Like, you, you know, Leinster are going really good. They're probably you no know, the be, they're the best of the provinces at the moment from the looks of things. Anyway, so like, does he stay with Stuart Lancaster, keep learning his trades, That's keep it. learning off Sexto yeah. every day, or does he just go somewhere and and try and you know? Get get a first choice slot, so you know, in another province. It's such a difficult. Well, well question. Carberry, it's kind of a no brainer to stay because, as you say, he gets in, his, in the team of fullback and he will pick up extra games at ten. But it's for the kind of guys maybe a bit below that who have you know decisions to make. Like Dominic Ryan, oh, yeah, yeah, Dominic yeah, Ryan yeah, just yeah. went to Leicester. Well, there. It was good to see him do that. But he probably like, he probably could have done that maybe a year or two earlier. And there's a couple, a couple yeah. other guys maybe in a similar boat. Such it a is, hard thing to do. Do you ask yourself? Like I, I still think all the guys in, in in the setups, regardless of where which province they're in. Everyone believes they're going to get in the team. So it's a really yeah. hard thing to do to, to to shift out when you believe in yourself that much. But I agree. Like if I was the RFU and they've already made a decision that between provinces you can't like you you can't actually get a, a competing offer like a better offer from mm. another province if there's two provinces wanting your services, which is mental really to be honest. Obviously from the RFU's and perspective, could everyone. but yeah, but, well, <laughs> well, whatever about that. Like I think like you know, the, I can see from the RFU standpoint why they do it. You know, obviously, like, oh, why yeah, would you be competing yeah. against yourself, essentially, right? But at the same time, like, you need to start, like, if, if they want to get rid of some of the backlog, there's look like there's a backlog of talent in Leinster, it's and, like, it, there is, but yeah. it's all the guys, they need to be able to have a competitive, more competitive offer from the other provinces, because mm -hmm. once Leinster get off the mark early, with a, I mean, they always, they're sneaky enough about it, like, in fairness, it's to their benefit as well, but they get in the doors early with an offer, the other provinces can't beat us. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, straight away, yeah. like that's what you're dealing with. So I think, like, think you know, they probably they probably need to maybe reconsider some of that if they want to shift some of the talent around. But you know, it's still tricky, there, tricky situation. You know, there's, no, there's a lot of different personalities involved. A lot of even everyone's situation is is so individual in those scenarios. I think like whether your guy is delusional, he thinks he's going to get picked and he's completely off the mark, or your guy like I think Dominic Ryan's unbelievable talent. Mm. 
and he just kept picking up injuries throughout. Like he yeah, couldn't get a yeah, string of yeah, games. Yeah. And that actually nearly spanned over two years in the end for him. Like oh, he's getting longer, just yeah. stupid little calf injuries, things that shouldn't, you know, on paper aren't that big a deal. But when you put five of them in a season, you just got no momentum and just mm. now I don't know if change, moving to Leicester is going to change that obviously but at the same time he probably just felt like he needed a fresh start and mm. needed to get a bit of a break you know but I think so many different lads you know whether it's someone in the position front of you gets injured and then you get your break or whatever it is like if you dig deep everyone's got a different kind of uh, like a James Ryan goes straight in and plays for Ireland you know it's kind of and then what's he doing Leinster uh, it's just you mightn't start an answer like. Do you know what I mean? You might not like that's yeah. the reality of the situation. Like, and you're so right. Like every situation is different, you know. But it does look like there is a huge amount of talent that you just hope doesn't sit there for too long. And just yeah, but again, because you have a shelf life, you do. You know, it's yeah. hard to. It, it is hard if you don't get games. If you're kind of if you don't get access, like there's a point in your career where you do like you see it with a few people. It just pass them by slightly, mm. and they kind of miss it. And they, then they never really get. They always end up playing a lot of the league games or just maybe on the bench or maybe yeah. not even making the bench for, for Champions Cup games, whatever it is. It's it's such a hard thing to get right. Yeah, I think Andrew Conway is a guy who looks like he's got it right. I think Felix mm. Jones is a guy who got it right. Yeah. Um, like There's a few instances of people who, who did it well. Like Sean Cronin is a guy who moved somewhere and obviously you know his career has been stellar since. Yeah, you know yeah. He's a perfect example of that. But it's a really hard thing to do. I, I think it's, it's a hard balancing act. And like I said, every situation is different. So... Um, you know, some of those people would have been forced into those situations anyway. Really. Yeah, completely. But yeah. it's like, again, it's that balance of leave too early and you don't get the full benefit of being in Leinster, surrounded by these players. You know, savage facility, playing the RDS. Hmm. You know, there's like that. that's worth an awful lot to a young guy Jeez, growing yeah, up, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't just mean mentally or ego-wise, like as a learning curve, it's phenomenal, like, you know. So then there comes a point where you need to make a decision. You need to play it's not games, happening, yeah, you know, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. When you watch rugby today, you've been retired four years. Is there anything that you look at and say, wow, that's a lot different to maybe when I was playing or is it, does it look broadly similar to what you experienced? Just the physicality is just, every time is, it just looks up another a couple of levels from when I was playing. You know, I was obviously a small guy playing and you look at, say, the weekend there, I don't know what weight the two lads in the centres are, but there must be over 100 kilos at least. Man, yeah, yeah. Massive men. Like, when have you ever seen Ireland with that? You know, obviously other countries would have it, but... Mm. Uh, the physicality of it is, is the, probably the biggest difference I see anyway mm. and for yourself like, did you, is that something you noticed at the very end versus maybe when you played with Ron uh, yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I, I actually agree. I think, um, you know, they move well as well, the big fellas. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was probably a difference. You have a few guys who are fairly big lads, and you were like, well, that's fine. He's got that on me. I can, you know, I'm gonna, fr I just need to front up today at that. But I know I have yeah, yeah, a bit yeah. of footwork or a bit of, you know, something on him that I know I can. That's my advantage on him that he's got to watch. So yeah. like, he, there was a trade off. But now you look at these guys like, like Chris Farrell looked like he, I think he looks like a real player to me. Uh, Stu Oling still kind of a little bit loose for McCluskey. me. Uh, he's a he's a brilliant player. He's a huge man. He moves really well as well. But I think he's probably still a little bit. He was a little bit looser. But I think he'll he'll have a bit of adjusting to do uh, for Joe. But Chris Farrell looks like a guy who I think Joe will really like. Uh, he was really physical. His footwork was brilliant. Um, he was very you know he's actually he a lot of good neat involvements is how I put them with Joe it's very important to be you know to, to retain the ball to run very square he still has good hands I, I, I like he looks like a real player to me and someone who belongs at the level and he was very physical um, so yeah like it was interesting but that is the difference I see I think a lot of the big guys are still it's it's still stepping up it's still getting better oh, yeah, um, getting definitely bigger and bigger. Like, yeah and I'm only at two years like is yeah. in two years it still looks better and better to me I was playing like a guy like Jamie Roberts was kind of like, he was a huge man, but it wasn't too many Jamie Roberts in the centre, you know, yeah, I was playing, yeah. like, in maybe a Tualangi. Um, a man I knew. You know, yeah. like, Rougery. Like, they were kind of unique, and now it's just, like, Bastro, you know, like, there wasn't a huge amount of them. Yeah. Certainly yeah. weren't playing them every week, whereas no. now it looks like... It <laughs> looks no like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. God, Bastro. I, I was watching the French game. They're starting him again for some reason, and he's just gotten even fatter. I'm sorry. Like, he, he, he's like a tight head prop. I don't, I don't... I know Ali Williams gave out to a commentator a few years ago for saying it, but he's, he's a ridiculously... He's ridiculously Rotund individual. He is. Like, I don't know how Guido Vez expects France to get any better wheeling out him at, at he, 13. Like, stop. Bloody hard to stop, man. Yeah. I couldn't even catch the ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he, I'm telling you, I, play, I haven't played against himself and, and Matt and Onu a couple of years back. Like, it's uh, like it's fairly challenging. Like, he's pretty fit. He's there for the whole game. Like, Seems to be a guy who needs to get his head right a bit. And physically, he's obviously is what he is, but when he gets his head right, he's oh, family geez, effective. Man, yeah, like, yeah. he did it. 
Was it? Uh, he gave Ireland a very hard time. Even Drico and Doris. Remember oh, the one we won? It was twenty ten. They won the Grand yeah, Slam. Yeah, he destroyed yeah, yeah. O'Driscoll and Darcy. Yeah, all day. That's seven years ago, though. You know, and he wasn't as yeah. big then as he was now. Like. Yeah, yeah. Like mm. the, the worst. The thing is, you you always wonder about him. Like, how good could he have been? Yeah. Well, know? he was really good. Like, he won three Champions Cups in a row, and he was really good then. But even that's been like two or three seasons ago. I, I mean, still think now, he's very... now I just think he's put on even more. Yeah, but he's still very effective at what he does. I'm sorry. I know. I agree with you in principle. I I still feel like he'll be a guy. I'm like, I'd love to seen him really look after himself well because I think if you watched him ever did you ever see him in the 20s World Cup we, we yeah, would, do you play I, I you that one oh, really? like, what was he like in a 20 year old oh, he was, he was, a, he was frightening man he was brilliant you <laughs> he, want to see him burying lads in tackles wasn't he yeah, it was oh. him and your man Jan David who plays for Toulouse now does he yeah well he did for he a few years I'm not sure but he he bastro physically I roly poly backwards I didn't feed over my head kind of thing where now yeah. just he was a freak at, at 20s at that age he was pretty much that size you know it was he yeah, was, he but he but he was kind of like but he wasn't like he wasn't too f- he, yeah he was jumping. but he wasn't as big as he is now though like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, only, yeah, yeah. Like, he's played a lot of his career since Stade Francais he played up he played the rest of his career with a belly yeah 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 like whereas at that point he was like he he wasn't in great nick but he was still. Like he was straight down rather than out back, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't like an Audi six pack, but it was like you know what I mean. He was fairly. He looked like a decent athlete then, and he was very like he he looked sharper on his feet. Whereas now he's obviously you know he's he's a battering ram. There's no doubt about that. But um, like he's still effective. You know, I, I would think like he can be. He you know, do I see him? Should he be in the French team? I don't know. Um, no. I think they have enough quality that they don't have to pick him like there. Like they have a 21-year-old Damien Penno on the bench who's nominated Rika Ioanni for the rising star of the year at the World Rugby Awards and they start in Bastro. We don't know Bastro still. Like when he's about two years past the celebrate. Fairness, it's fairly hard to, you know, French rugby is a, is uh, one place where I don't know, where I just, I don't see any pragmatism or logic in the selections. They just seem to be like, wasn't there, I, I know I'm probably going back to the Lievre Montes, but like, they use an incredible amount of players. Like there's very like you look at Joe Schmidt like in in the big games like he you know he keep it fairly tight. Like he might have twenty six guys, twenty seven guys who regularly play for him. Really like obviously the weekend is a bit of an exception, but like they are like they could have a crazy amount. Of, they might have like 33, 34 guys over the course of uh, of a Six Nations campaign mm-hmm. like playing for them. You know, and that's not down to injuries. That's just guys getting lifted out for having a bad yeah, game yeah. or. You know, and they li- might lift three or four out like regularly. So I, I think, you know, they have a bit. That's a bigger issue with them rather than you know picking Bastro. <laughs> they have, they're yeah. just mental well, with the selections yeah. anyway. We we spent enough time for Bastro now for the moment. He's still unbelievable. Yeah. He's three hundred good medals. He's a few. Uh, I think he probably has a Six Nations yeah. as well in there somewhere. I, like, do, I feel kind of bad for my earlier comment about him, but I don't think he listens to the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be. Yeah, we'll be <laughs> fine. I think. Yeah, you're safe. He's so, not going to so, come hunting you down. Just before we finish up on, so do maybe just give us a bit of an insight into what you're doing today. Yeah, so um, when I finished up, I got involved in the pub business with uh, my brother and a, another partner of ours, Stephen Cooney. So um, that's kind of, that's me day to day, really. Yeah, so we have a couple of pubs in Dublin and then um, just opened one in Portugal uh, this year. So uh, it's not really what I saw myself doing, but it's a good uh, it's a good situation to be in at the moment. So uh, it's, um, I was laughing. I was out in Portugal uh, kind of laughing to the lads and I, I said, you know, a couple of years ago when we we're setting this up and I was going out to pick the knives and forks and, and crockery for the pub, <laughs> all the exciting things. <laughs> and uh, I rang the lads and I was laughing, going, I didn't, heading down Portuguese motorway with lads who don't speak English, going to pick crockery in Portugal. <laughs> you know, I thought I'd be playing, hoping would be playing for Ireland at this stage or, or certainly Leinster. But um, no, I think, thankfully, I think that's probably what made it a bit easier for me, the transition that things have gone well since, you know, and that, that obviously helps. Um, and the lads are kind of, Set the pubs up and I uh, well I was playing and I got involved then afterwards and it was kind of a nice nice thing to be able to get into so um, yeah so it's, it's been a good couple of years. It's nice to have people looking out for you as well. Like obviously Definitely, your brother's yeah. there, so you're gonna have that. But like it's nice to be working with people who are good people. Yeah, it was, it's 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 important, man. I think yeah. you know you talk to anyone who starts like I, I'm so, like where I'm working, like I couldn't couldn't be a nicer crew. You know it makes a big difference. You know people oh, want to help yeah, you out when you finish. So much yeah. your time doing it, you know. Mm. And, uh, it's it's yeah you couldn't do it otherwise. So no, it is. definitely yeah yeah. It's, it's, and it's it's a tough thing to get. Like I think like you know there's a certain amount of luck involved as well. You completely. hear some guys going into places and they just like who finished up and they struggle a bit. You know they struggle because whatever it might be, it's just not a a welcome. It might be a really competitive environment where they go into whatever it is, or people just aren't as interested, or whatever it is. It's yeah. it is a nice thing as well to go in with with, with your brother and and obviously Stephen, who's a, a you know very long term kind of family friend. Really, yeah isn't yeah he? no it is absolutely and. 
again, like it definitely has made the whole transition easier for me. Um, you know, the, the lads were set up a couple of years at that stage, and then I got involved. And uh, I suppose I didn't really know what I was going to do at the time. I thought maybe I'll go traveling, clear the head. It was a kind of a thing coming up the time, one of the pubs, and um, you know, it was great. They just said, Look, do you want to give this a run? If it doesn't work out, you can go traveling in a year, and uh, thankfully, it's worked out since. So, uh, certainly so far, anyway. So, see how it keeps going. Yeah, was there is there a bit of worry, I guess, when you do initially finish <coughs> up with the uncertainty of it? Yeah, like, yeah, I suppose there is again, but it, it's, um, I, I think at that stage for me, whether the pubs was the right thing or whatever I was studying at the time, uh, I didn't really know what the right thing to do was, but I, I knew I needed to finish rugby because I'd, I'd been to doctors in London and New York, all around Ireland, um, and I'd certainly felt like I'd exhausted, like I went to, you know, kind of witch doctors and healers <laughs> and and these kind of things, trying, trying whatever you can try, you know, and at that stage, um, it just wasn't happening. Like I had a kind of a, a routine on a Sunday night where, um, you know, it was kind of clean the slate and this Monday morning was going to be different and this was going to be the week that I was going to turn the corner and it might, I went crazy with it. By the end of it, it was like, you know, you'd add on something else this, to, to make this. <laughs> if I don't action. do this, I'm not going to have a good week. Like, I have to, yeah, <laughs> clean the house, clean the bed, yeah, you know, yeah. have a shave, like stupid stuff that makes no sense to rugby. Um, but it was kind of, I suppose it was all just an attempt to, Start it's fresh. only so long you can bang your head against the wall, Completely, you know. Yeah. And I think, like as well, like it's good that you were able to get into something that, like, mm. and doing something, like doing something is that, like, I, I have to say, the toughest part for finishing for me was definitely like not not really doing anything yeah, when you yeah, finish. Yeah. Like that was a real challenge, you know. So I was doing one day a week, um, in in the Indo in here, uh, doing the left wing, uh, which was kind of whatever a bit of preparation on the weekend, really. That was like, and then like once you've seen the games, you pick out a few things you want to want to talk about three or four hours in here, really. Um, and then it was two days a week in, in AIB doing an internship. Like, there was a lot of free time. It was the t it was the hardest part of, of that year was actually been like, it sounds like, you know, people are working. Sounds class. Yeah, yeah. It's, it does sound, but if you're working all the time, it might, but if for, for a year, it's, it's it, I have to say, it got really, really grim at the end. Like, trying to figure, like, you're literally... So only so many times you can clean the, the kitchen other, and uh, clean, you know, what I mean? so like, like you said, yeah. It nearly gets more daunting than the thought of doing something the longer you leave it, you know. So yeah. uh, I think... It is. It's a tricky thing to do, and it does sound amazing. But like people are so keen to help, and so encouraging, and 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 would do anything for you. But at the same time, there's only so much people can do. Like you know, they they're living their own lives. They've got their own problems, mm. and uh, you know they're in their own jobs. Like they can't just you know open the door. And thankfully, <laughs> I say that, but thankfully that kind of happened for me <laughs> with my brother and Stephen. So I was very. That's what I say. I was very lucky in that situation, and uh, and how it's panned out so far. Well, Alan, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you very much, lads, yeah. Cheers, Tubsy. Great to have you on. <laughs> What's the origin of that nickname? Uh, I think it's all in the cheeks, is it, Chubsy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, it's from, from my youth, but uh, they're still clinging on there. <laughs> the cheeks, I, so. I better stop slagging soon. I think it's going to be, there'll be a few fingers pointing back at me go. after. Oh, no, but thanks for coming on, and it's great to hear uh, how you're getting on, and things are going so well for you. So, uh, brilliant. Yeah. Cheers, thanks. thanks Cheers, Cheers, thank you. That's all we have time for in the left wing this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a very special guest on the podcast. In the meantime, if you'd like to listen, you could subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for joining us and goodbye.